Ahoy legend! Welcome to The Leadership Question. I'm Travis Thomas, CEO and Executive Coach at Team Buffalo. Over the last decade, I've worked with thousands of leaders to overcome some of the most difficult leadership challenges by using a blend of psychology, business, and strategy. This podcast has no theories, no gimmicks, and no bullshit. Just answers to your leadership questions so you can lead a team, company, and successful career. Let's get started with today's episode. Ahoy, legend! It's your host, Travis Thomas, back with another episode of the Team Buffalo podcast. I'm here today to talk to you about one question, as always, for leaders that we're going to reflect on and try and find a way for you to gain some improvement or tractions through applying the principles. Today's topic is focused on something that's come up a fair bit lately in the organizational sense, so less for individuals and leaders, but more for individuals trying to affect a bigger set of issues in an organization. And that is really around how do you affect meaningful change or at least start to build a little bit of momentum around change when everyone around you is either not participating or there are a few people who are participating, but they're working towards the wrong agenda and are giving you a really hard time as a result of that. So the real fundamental underlying question is, how do I create change in a space where no one else has started that change yet? I have to be the first. What does that mean? And there's a great analogy or kind of example that I'll turn your attention back to that came up a number of years ago. I think it's super interesting. And this idea of the lone dancer looks a little crazy for a while, but then once a second dancer comes along, then they don't look as crazy, then, or maybe the two of them look a little bit crazy. But once we get multiple dancers and a group of people dancing and kind of moving to the same beat, even if there's still a whole crowd back here, the people who now look like they're doing the right thing are the people where the music's playing and they're dancing. The people sat to the side look like they're just not ready to play the game. And that's interesting if you think about that kind of human principle and the application for change management and getting people to get on side. So particular issues that I've heard people bring up is, you know, I want to roll out a new process. I can't get people to agree to it, but I know it will help multiple people and no one's weighing in. Or my boss is being particularly difficult on an issue and I don't know how to affect meaningful change on that either. So what do I do? So there are a few tactics. I'm not going to give you a linear process because it's really contextual depending on what's actually going on and who's involved and what the pressure points are. You might adopt different tactics. But the point is we need to give you some tactics that give you something that you can apply back in the workplace. So tactic number one, turn your attention back to the lone dancers. Don't dance alone. Find people who are in the same situation or have the same aspirations as you do and bring them together around this central purpose. You know, if if I want to achieve A over here and you want to achieve B over here, but those are not at odds with each other, then if I can recognize that and I can support you in doing both, maybe I can say, hey, I think on A, we need to rally here. And on B, we need to focus on this. Let's push those both together. Or in another example, maybe some people just haven't stepped in and they go, well, looks interesting, but oh, I don't know if I want to get into the fray. Invite them into the fray. Say, Hey, I'm pushing this issue. I really want to get this new process across the line. I need some support in the meetings. Are you are you on board? Do you agree that this needs to happen? And they go, yeah. I go, look, I'll do the big push. But when it comes up in a meeting or no one says anything, can you just say something? Can you be the one person to go, hey, 
I agree. You know, Jan's request to do this is a good request. I think we should do it. Why wouldn't we do it? It makes sense. It makes our lives easier, etc. Ask for that support. So find other people to dance with you and ask them to to play that with you. If they don't, you're you're going to struggle. It's not going to get any easier. And I think that's really dangerous, right? It's, having that kind of solo voice can at times make you either seem really difficult or like you're not towing the line in the corporate. And that, that's not useful. So get, get other dancers on the floor. Second is try to understand the motivations of the people who are resisting the change or maybe have not joined on side of the chain, the change that's trying to happen. So it's, it's crazy to go, well, I'm, I'm going to fight this on my own without ever having understood the motivations of the people around me. It's a bit like good politicians. And I talk about politics in the workplace a lot, but a good politician will understand the issues that matter to certain voters and appeal to that and understand the issues that matter to other voters and appeal to that all to get them towards this broader agenda they're trying to serve. Whether or not certain politicians do that well is inconsequential, but the ability to understand that certain stakeholders will have certain aspirations And if I tie those in together with my view of them, I can get them on side. So I might not encourage them to dance with me like in the first one. I know it's a weird analogy, but I might at least get them to vote for my cause and not get in the way because I understood what matters to them. And in exchange for that, I will look after what matters for them. So similar to the first one in that you get someone on side to do it with you. And this one, you really just want their kind of vote of confidence and that they're not going to resist And then third tactic is if you recognize that there are people who are naturally going to resist or you've seen a pattern of behavior or they've told you outright, I don't like this, I'm going to stop it, start outmaneuvering them. Look to, well, I know they'll probably talk to this person and it'll be this and they'll suggest this in the meeting. Great. You know that. You could probably work it out. You can understand their motivations, their behaviors, who they might talk to, who might back them. Go around that. I'm not saying to cut people's legs out from underneath them. That's not it. But if you know they're going to act to sabotage you or block the thing that you really believe should be done, you need to work to get in front of that and push. Do not let someone just come in around the side and go, "Ah, I spoke to the CEO and they're not going to approve it. Come on. What's the benefit of that? That's not at all what we're after. So take control early. Identify those key stakeholders. Identify the resistors and push on that. It's super important that you leverage each of these tactics. And then fourth, which I think is really, really important, and I always say important, but really important, is to have a story. You know, it's easy to get bogged in projects and requests from people to do this and change that. We all hear it all the time. Corporations are just riddled with people asking for us to do more things that are for whatever they're interested in. But what's the story? Why do I buy into the change you're trying to get me to sell? You know, for me at Team Buffalo, the story I often talk about with leaders, or the at least the vision I want them to understand, is that we spend a lot of time in the workplace. We spend more waking hours, if you're full-time working, more waking hours in the office than we will in most other environments. Don't we want it to be the best possible place we can? Don't we have a responsibility as leaders to make those places amazing places for people to work as best possible? Yes, work is difficult. Yes, we've got things to achieve. Yes, there are commercial realities. But does that mean it has to suck? Hell no. Like, let's make it as positive as possible. So that's the kind of story for me when I'm getting leaders to understand the value of emotional intelligence or to agree to have difficult conversations or to agree to develop their people. I say, 
you know, you have this responsibility. The story you write and the story you give to people will be around your legacy of how you looked after the people you were the steward for. If you created a crappy place to work where people spent most of their waking hours, that will be your story. And is that what you really want? Probably not. So with you and trying to do some change management, you need to really highlight what's your story. What about what I'm trying to achieve will compel people? What about it is a human truth that people could subscribe to? And what are some of the nuances of that that would really appeal to people as a broader group? You know, there's there's always something. There's reason why stories, good stories endure for long periods of time. And really good stories create a catalytic effect around change. People go, yeah, I should care about that. Oh, that's terrible. Of course, we need to do something about that. But it's a really well-told story with some good artifacts, some good relatable language, and an understanding of the people who are listening to it that can really propel that forward with some human truth sprinkled in. So that's tip four and tactic four is to really just have a good story around the things you're trying to do. Even if it's just a small change that people are resisting, what's the story? You know, if it's, I want more diverse people in the workplace, well, why? Why should the person care about that? What's the story? Tell me about the the impact that that would have for you or for people around you. Yes, I know I should care about it, but that doesn't compel me to take action. I'll just go, fine, I'm not going to argue. Give me the story. Help me understand. It's the thing that a lot of not-for-profits get really poor at. They do absolute bad job at. It's kind of, some are great, but it's, why am I giving you money? You're asking me for money. Yes, there's a cause. Yes, I understand. Babies this, malaria that, whatever. Fine. I, I'm not saying that's not important, but why should I be the one to give you money? What about you is so special that of the thousands and thousands and more across the planet that are asking me for money, why you? And it's a bit like that at work when you're trying to get change to happen. You go, well, why should I give you my time and effort and backing when everyone wants things to go their way? Help me understand the story. Compel me to be part of that journey and I'll be open to the idea of it and possibly sign on for it. So those have been your four quick tips and tactics for really effective kind of nudging towards a change. You know, there's deep work that can be done on change leadership. That's usually a half day workshop at a minimum to give you the skills and tools and work through it. But Definitely, this will give you enough to get started with a couple of tactics. If you're struggling to get people to move towards your change, apply these tactics and principles in your mind as well, and then use them to start to just nudge people along that path. Thank you for tuning in again. It's always great to see you. And thanks for signing on to another episode of the Team Buffalo podcast. I've been your host, Travis. And if you like our content and want to find more, there are socials, which you can see in the links on the bottom here. And there's also our newsletter, teambuffalo.co slash newsletter. Thanks again. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode tomorrow.